Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Welcome to another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am your host, John Schofield. Joining me, special guest from the Capital Gazette newspaper, is Bill Wagner. Also, our producer, Chris Cervello, is joining us. He is running the board doing Old Man Radio. This is our last pod before Army-Navy week. Uh, So before we start this off, let me remind everyone that we are going to be doing, just like last year, Fan favorite, Daily Pods. We are going to have the likes of Louis Nicolau, Ashley Pelzik, Pete Medhurst, luminaries of the Brotherhood from days past, uh, you know, Tom Lynch, Mike Hekimovich, Bill McKinney, and hopefully some special guests from the NFL as well. But first things first, let's get into this week's pod. The first thing that we're going to talk about, the big news event from this past week was the drop of the Army-Navy uniform by Under Armour. The Fly Navy theme, um, as of the recording here, has already been flying off the shelves. I I know that uh, Tony Bag of Donuts Cervello has his uh, youth large jersey already in the mail going down to him. Get online and buy your Army-Navy gear. I'm going to mix it up here and go to Chris Cervello first. Number one, Chris, yeah, what are your thoughts on the uniform? I personally think, other than the helmet, which I would have preferred to have the Captain America star and bar on both sides. I mean, the other side of the helmet has the painted FA-18 on it. But what were your impressions of the uniform, um, you know, from the standpoint of not only how slick it is and how well it's selling, but, you know, again, how it affects like recruiting and the overall brand of your alma mater? Yeah, I think it was a home run. Uh, kudos to uh, everyone that was a part of bringing this uniform uh, to life. Uh, the video was uh, amazing. The sales trends that you just uh, alluded to, I think, show just how excited uh, the fan base is. I-, I thought it was a cool uniform last year. It just didn't really resonate with me um, as much as those uniforms that either um, you know, highlight the Marine Corps or highlight other communities within the Navy. And so I think this is, you know, such a great opportunity for the Navy to not only look good on TV um, this coming week, but also to, um, you know, expand that brand and, uh, and look great uh, to, you know, the next couple of generations of prospective Naval Academy athletes and Naval Academy graduates. Wags, what were your thoughts? Because, you know, this has now turned into a thing that, you know, is almost like uh, Oregon, right? You know, where everyone is looking forward to what Oregon football is going to wear every week. Um, you know, and, and it nothing can overshadow what I believe and what the entire country should believe is the best rivalry in college football, in college sports, period. Um, so a lot of people, if you look at Twitter, are jabbing back and forth at each other about the uniforms. I know that you wrote a story um, about uh, the uniform drop. 
uh, both for Army and for Navy, other than some pretty notable gaffes by Army, which I know you'll get into. What were your impressions? Well, first of all, it has taken on a life of its own. And, you know, we're going to talk to Navy Equipment Manager Greg Morgenthaler later in this podcast, and he'll get into how the decisions were made on this year's uniform. But it's getting to be pretty big time pressure on Under Armour, Greg Morgenthaler, the creative design director for Navy Athletics, Molly McManus. I mean, they, they're, they're under pressure because, as you mentioned, Twitter explodes as soon as the uniforms come out with people saying yay or nay or, you know, not good or you know, thumbs up. But, you know, they, they're, there's a lot of pressure to try to produce a uniform that resonates and keeps everyone happy. And, uh, you know, as far as Army's uniforms, which, you know, I, I had no problem with the look. It's they're they're nice. But as I dove into it, because I had to write an article and I read very carefully the spiel by as to what it was all about, I found two things that kind of did not, you know, resonate me with me. Number one is the, the whole focus was celebrating the Army Special Forces units that went into Afghanistan and, and overthrew the Taliban and restored the, you know, the, the working with the opposition forces in Afghanistan. Well, that was a great story 10 years ago or whatever it was, 20 years ago. But th this is a bad year to be celebrating the overthrow of the Taliban now that they are back in power in Afghanistan. And it was a pretty embarrassing retreat for the United States. So not maybe the best year to be using that as your theme. And then the real gaffe came in the literature explaining the whole how Army, uh, the United States Army Special Forces worked with the Afghanistan resistance forces. They used a name of a general, Muhammad Abbas. And uh, it turns out that that was the incorrect name, that was actually one of the terrorist bombers that flew the planes, and they did not correctly identify the general with the Afghan resistance forces that worked with the United States to help overthrow the Taliban. So a couple sort of major mistakes there. Um, but you know, I like the Navy uniforms. So I think they're cool. I like the fact that they recognize the uh, entire, you know, fighter jet carrier combo the aircraft carrier people the personnel get some love in this too it's not just the super hornet uh, pilots and backseaters the aircraft carrier personnel and they're well represented and they show the carriers prominently in the video so i i think there's a lot of positive to it john yeah i agree and uh we're, we're gonna talk you know throughout army navy week next week with everyone about their thoughts of the uniform but i thought it was i thought it was slick and um the only uniform that i've ever liked better and i know this is sacrilege is the one from the snow game a couple of years ago when army had the mountain division all white uniform i thought it was amazing but this is definitely my favorite when i first saw it um, I, I, I was like, yeah, that's like top three, but yeah, then when I saw it in person and then I bought the gear like $300 worth in the mid store, now I'm sold. It's, it's definitely my favorite of all time. So you mentioned it before hats off to Molly McManus. Um, she's been a good sport about all this. She's dedicated. She's amazingly talented. She and Greg Morgan Thaler, uh, really knocked it out of the park with the people from Under Armour and the good people on USS George HW Bush. 
um, Matt Stroop and his media department uh, just knocking it out of the park, giving them access so they can make such a slick, slick video for those uniforms. So let's talk about some other news that happened this week. And we're going to talk football first before we get into basketball. And then Mike Heary is going to join us later in this podcast to break down the basketball results. So let's uh, transition now to actually X's and O's and not necessarily the uniforms, which are great. So X's and O's, um, you know, I, I really do believe that the momentum going forward from Temple is positive and and going to help us. Um, the the team itself received individual accolades this week with Bijan Nichols being named second team uh, American Athletic Conference in Diego being first team, obviously he belongs on the first team. He probably belongs in the NFL. You know, what are your thoughts on those selections, Wags, and how big of a role are the two of them going to play in the Army-Navy game next week? I think significantly. I think the kicking game is going to be huge and defense is going to be huge. And who better than guys who just got accolades that they did? Yeah, John, well, it's great that Navy, with the record they have and um, – you know, the, the good news here is all three Navy wins are in the American Athletic Conference. So if you look at their overall AAC record, it's not too bad. Um, so uh, glad to see Diego get his due recognition. Frankly, he was second team last year, John, and that was a crime. Um, I, you know, it's just I know there's a lot of good linebackers. Every team thinks their linebacker is great. But Diego Fago was not a second teamer. He was a first team choice as a sophomore. He should have been first team for three straight years, but he, you know Diego is a pro. I think it was your question to Coach Newberry about his NFL prospects and what would he tell a general manager. And his Coach Newberry's response was, "I'd tell him to draft him because the guy is going to find a way to make your team and help you." And I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, we'll see moving forward how the Navy treats Diego Fago in his pursuit of the NFL. I'm hoping it's a positive. And that he is allowed to pursue it. Uh, we just Army's touting Elijah Riley playing for the New York Jets. Coach Munkin tweeted out today, "Congratulations to Elijah Riley, who was just at Army West Point as a recent graduate. And he's, you know, Air Force and Army are allowing their players to pursue the NFL. The Navy needs to do so as well. Uh, but that's a topic topic for another time. And Bijan Nichols, you know, he's he's really solidifying himself as one of the finest kickers in Navy history, and he is right on the cusp of owning some pretty big-time records as far as field goals made, total points. Um, you know, he's got another year left as a starter, and by the time he graduates, he's going to have etched his name into the record books as one of the finest kickers. He's a very consistent and uh, guy that you can count on, and I do think that both of them will play huge roles in the Army-Navy game. I've, I feel confident the Navy defense is going to bring it and really hold Army to a low number, give the offense a chance, and – Perhaps, oh, do like the Ravens do, where you live on Justin Tucker field goals. Get yourself in range and send Bijan out there to kick field goals and win the game 16 to 13. So Bijan's proven he can get the job done. Ravens win games like that all the time. Get enough in range for Justin Tucker to do his business. And I think the Navy could do the same. I, I would hope. That Bijan kicks some field goals and produces. Now, obviously, we want touchdowns, not field goals. But you know, I look at the game a few years ago. They were in the red zone and went for it on fourth down a few times and didn't convert. And Bijan Nichols didn't get a chance to kick field goals. And uh, I say, if you're down there and you're in range, let Bijan go out and get you those three points. 
before we go to the first break, other individual accolades that have to be mentioned, Navy men's lacrosse standout Jackson Bonnets. He's just a sophomore. He was named to the 23-player roster that will represent the U.S. in the U21 World Lacrosse Championships next year. By the way, those World Lacrosse Championships are held in Limerick, Ireland. Where do I sign up for that? Um, so obviously, Joe Amplo has some talented guys on the team, Jackson Bonnets being one of them. Being named to this team is absolutely fantastic. And then finally, Alexa Riddle, who I really believe is like unbelievably talented soccer star for Karen Gabera's team, was recently named to the United States or the United Soccer Coaches All North Region team. She absolutely deserved it. She was dominant. Um, playing up front for Karen's team this year. I know Karen and Alexa believe and know that the season ended prematurely and before it should have. They should have been in the NCAA tournament, and I know that they'll continue to work on that. But this is a young team, despite losing some some senior leaders like Vicky Tran and, uh, and Mang and some others, uh, Alexa Riddle is going to be a force to be reckoned with for years to come. So congrats to Alexa, Jackson Bonnets, uh, Bijan Nichols, and Diego Fago for their individual accolades. Um, they are examples of what the benefits are or the merits are of the physical mission. And that's why we do this podcast. So we're going to go to break. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. This week's episode of Sing Second Sports is brought to you by our sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 in downtown Annapolis. Coming to town for a football game? Is it your class reunion or just looking for a place to chill on a Friday or Saturday night? Red Red Wine Bar and Dryity 5 are staples in the Annapolis Main Street scene. Whether you're in the mood for a good Cabernet at the wine bar or an old fashioned and a Dryity 5 burger, both locations will take care of you. Special thank you to Brian and Lisa Bolter, the owners of both establishments, for being fantastic supporters of the Sing Second Sports podcast. Now back to the pod. Hey, everyone. We are back. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. Um, hey, so big thing happened this week, uh, the drop of the Army uniforms. I mean, I love, no, not Army's uniforms. Of course, I'm not going to talk about that. It was the Navy uniform drop that took place on the 30th of November, right at 10 a.m. Just an unbelievably awesome, awesome uniform. In fact, I ranked it as as probably my top Um yeah, the, the one with the ships on the helmet was my top for the longest time. Uh, but this this particular uniform that came out this week, I really thought was good. I, I was in communication with my old deputy, Matt Stroop, on the USS George H.W. Bush, who walked me through a little bit of the filming of the video and that whole thing. And who better to talk about the uniform drop? Uh, then Greg Morgan Thaler, the equipment guy, has been there for, I think, close to 20 years. Greg can uh, can correct me on that. I think it's more than 20. Um, but so happy to be joined by Greg Morgan Thaler, uh, the equipment manager for Navy Athletics, particularly the football team. Greg, number one, how long have you been in the position? And walk our listeners a little bit through what you do on a day-to-day basis, including on game days. Thanks, John. Uh, I'm actually in my 19th season here at the Naval Academy. I came in uh, Mr. Gladchuck's second year and Paul Johnson's second year. Um, They hired me away from a small Catholic school up in Connecticut, Sacred Heart University, where I had the honor of being the first equipment manager in the country, uh, or first equipment manager ever 
at Sacred Heart University. So spent three years there. Um, won't take you through my boring lifetime before that, but been at some pretty high profile institutions. But being at Navy, you know, was one that I when I got the job, it, it was actually my proudest moment in my life to this date, other than, you know, getting married and having kids. But, um, you know, uh, on a on a on a day to day basis, you know, I mean, my job, you know, is one of those kind of unsung jobs, you know, uh, the biggest responsibility that we have is to keep the players safe and the coaches outfitted and, you know, our professional organization, I'm, you know, uh, the athletic equipment managers association, I'm the president of district two. I have been for about 12 years, which encompasses about six States. And, you know, um, being at the Naval Academy, you know, as prestigious, but stuff that I've been able to do, you know, professionally in our organization is also pretty special to me. But um, as far as the uniforms go, you know, uh, we started doing this. I mean, I, I can't even remember how long ago I, I got a little chart, but unfortunately I'm not in front of my desk right now to have his cheat sheet, but uh, Wags can probably help me out on this. Cause I, I think I mentioned it to him one day that maybe 2010 or so or 11, we started no helmets, just jerseys and pants, you know, and then, you know, with our previous uh, uniform provider and then, of course, you know, I, I can probably rattle off everything since we've been with Under Armour, you know, in 2014, starting with the uh, Summer Whites, which is still probably the toughest uniform to put together um, with all the ranks and stuff. But, um, you know, and then, of course, Don't Tread on Me was that first year. And uh, there's been a lot of them. But, um, you know, you mentioned earlier about the uh, ship helmets. Um, that one's a really proud one. Um, seven different ship helmets. I mean, nothing could ever top it, hand paint it. They look great. But, um, you know, when we were exploring options with this one, we had talked about, you know, going with uh, a lot of different ships. I mean, uh, planes and helos and P3s and stuff. But we, we settled on the uh, F-18, you know, which uh, I think is a tremendous – yeah, you know. Come well, on, Greg. We're not putting a P3 on a helmet. <laughs> well, I, you know, I mean, we were talking about helos and everything because, you know, we wanted to, <laughs> uh, you know, some of the ideas that we bounced around were, you know, trying to do like we did the ship helmets. But at the end of the day, um, I got a tremendous painter that I found, um, you know, up in uh, outside of Philadelphia through a mutual friend from the Philadelphia Flyers. He's done a great job painting a bunch of NHL helmets, you know, goalie cages and stuff. And he hadn't really painted much football helmets and in the past, you know, maybe his kid's high school or something, but nothing as intricate as what we've allowed him to do the past uh, three years with the Heisman, the marble, as well as the, uh, you know, fly Navy helmet. I am one of the folks who does understand and respect what Greg Morgan Thaler does because covering the team as long as I have, I've learned how important equipment manager is. And I remember his predecessor, Big V, uh, who uh, was the previous equipment manager. And before them, him, we, uh, what was uh, Kevin Bull? Was he prior to Big V, Morgie? Uh, there was one in between, but uh, he didn't last very long. 
Right. Well, you don't you don't last long if you don't do a good job because that's how important it is. And I know that back in the summer uh, when the players get in, it's uh, Greg's spending hours sizing their heads for helmets. I mean, uh, people don't even have a clue how much goes in to equipping a football team. And it's just so many levels and layers that are part of it. But with regard to the uniform drop, um, I will, you did tell me how it started in 2008. And this makes this the 14th specialty uniform for the Army Navy game. I agree with John that the ships was classic, can, will be always hard to top. Um, I like the Blue Angel look. The Blue Angel uniforms, that was the other aviation-themed uh, uni for Army-Navy. But uh, I already spoke to Greg for the article I wrote today about the uniforms, so I got a little bit of information. But, Greg, kind of reiterate, your creative director there with Naval Academy Athletic Association was driving out Gate 8 and happened to notice the uh, planes, the old planes that are on display as you go out that gate. Um, and just kind of talk about how she came up with the idea and you all ran with it that wound up being the Naval Aviation-themed unis. Yeah, Wag. So um, Molly McManus, she's our creative director. She reports to Matt Monoly, and she, her and I work really hand-in-hand with Under Armour on all this stuff. And, uh, you know, she we, we had a little bit of a, you know, dilemma. We were kind of in this red, white, and blue type look, but we didn't know exactly what we wanted to do. And uh, she was driving out gate eight and she took a picture of the side of the aircraft, you know, by gate eight and, and texted it to me and said, Hey, Greg, what do you think about this? You think we can make this work? And I said, sure. You know, I, I didn't really know a whole lot about it, to be honest with you. And uh, you know, we, we did research and what have you. And, and, and thought, you know, wow, we could really do something special on the aviation side with this, you know, red, white, and blue uniform with that. You know, uh, we had talked many different ideas about, you know, honoring 9-11 and different, you know, things, but we didn't want it to be a political type statement. We wanted it to continue to roll with the traditions of the Navy, the Naval Academy, and all those that have served in the Navy. And, you know, we, we did do back in uh, 2017 in aviation with the Blue Angels. And, you know, we thought four years later, this might be the right time to, you know, throw another aviation one out there. And then the more research that, you know, Molly does a great job, the more research she did, you know, said, hey, you know, the movie Top Gun's coming out right after Army-Navy, the new version of that. And we started looking at, you know, different things. And, she said, what do you think? And I said, I think it's a home run. So we took it back to Under Armour and Nick Belaris, the you know, lead designer, threw some stuff together and had some ideas. And, you know, I, we asked him what he thought about the helmet. And he really said to me, he said, hey, you know, you've done a lot. You know, we've thrown some ideas about the helmet in the past. But, you know, I know that's your bread and butter. That's your baby. And I take a lot of pride because that's the one thing that, you know, I get to really mess with, you know, with Riddell and our painter. And, uh, you know, it, it just it, it was one of those things. Molly and I sat down and we met, 
we met several times with the painter on the phone on zoom and we went up there and uh you know we we finalized everything back in about you know mid to late july and he rolled with it and uh you know we got all the helmets in and you know we're starting to fit them obviously today now that it's been released um we actually showed the team on uh saturday the video um after the game um but we just wanted to you know coach wanted to show them and uh, as customarily true we wanted to make sure you know with a 10 o'clock drop on a tuesday we wanted to make sure the team members got to see what they were going to wear and it, it was really a good lead in after beating temple the other day the coach was like you know what nothing else matters at this point other than this you know, it's time to go beat Army. So um, right. we showed the team on uh, on Saturday, and we started fitting today. So it's been a crazy right. day. Yeah, oh, yeah, and I know you got a lot of work to do between now and Army Navy. Um, to be specific for our listeners, what Molly saw on that airplane was what they call the roundel, which is affixed to every military aircraft that the United States uses. And so that roundel is what caught her attention. And the uniform is ultimately based off the roundel along with the blue, red, white, and blue color scheme. So everything kind of started from that. Uh, and your, your helmet guy does do an incredible job. He also, for information of the listeners, he was responsible for designing, painting the uh, Heisman Trophy helmets and also the really cool marble themed helmets of last year that went with the anniversary of the Naval Academy. So the guy does an amazing job. I believe the press release said every helmet took three hours. And how many helmets do you have made, uh, Greg? Uh, there's about 140 or so for us. Right. And then, you know, he also map. painted, he also painted a bunch for, you know, some other people like, I know Mission Barbecue bought a bunch. Riddell bought a bunch for their promos and stuff. So, um, yeah, it, it's a long time. I mean, it took them, you know, like Sing I Second said. Second Sports he, is going to buy one, right, John and Chris? <laughs> I, I, I was just going to tell Morgie that uh, Ray Mavis just called me. He uh, he wants another helmet. So, yeah, get get hot on that. Uh, but, yeah, we, we'd always take some memorabilia uh, from, from the Navy equipment manager. Well, uh, Wags, do you have anything else before we let Morgan go and start fitting out heads? Well, I just want to say it's a really cool tradition. And the one question I did want to ask is that I don't, you know, Greg kind of alluded to, but I don't think he quite made it clear how many hours are spent by so many people getting these specialty uniforms together. As he mentioned, meetings with creative and Under Armour and then back and forth ideas. And then they get submitted up the ladder to, Chuck Gladchuck, the athletic director, and sometimes Chet says, nah, I don't, I don't like that. You're back to square one. In your opinion, Mort, is it all worth it? Uh, we just talked to a Navy football player, Colin Ramos, on Zoom presser, and he said he's psyched about these uniforms. Is it worth it, all the time, energy, effort put into developing, designing, creating these specialty uniforms for the Army-Navy game? In my job, being at the Naval Academy, it's one of the coolest jobs that I get to do because um, being so heavily involved in it, you know, there's a lot of schools like, you know, I was at Oklahoma back in the day. I was at UVA back in the day. 
we didn't do this stuff back in the day. Um, you know, so, so being a key cog in this whole thing, my staff and I, um, you know, we really enjoy it. And, you know, it's a, it's a lot of extra work, but at the end of the day on December 11th, if we win, when we win, it makes it all worthwhile to me. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, Morgie, I, I really appreciate the, the inside look into to what you do, what your staff does. Um, I do have to echo you. Uh, I talked to Molly a bunch yesterday um, as we were about to roll this thing out today and, and could not have been more impressed with what she's done. She spoke volumes about the media department and, and Lieutenant Commander Matt Stroop on USS George H.W. Bush for helping them out to get the footage they needed for that video, which was just great. I think all of this does nothing but help the brand. Um, and, and you play a huge, huge role in, in everyone's awareness of, the, of that brand. So, you know, on behalf of Sing Second Sports, thank you so much for doing what you do. And as we let you go, I'm going to ask you to guess how many bobbleheads does Pete Ford own? I'm going to say 200. <laughs> <laughs> the man loves his bobbleheads. I mean, uh, maybe equipment and bobbleheads. They're all over his office. Oh, goodness. Well, uh, hey, Greg, thank you so much for making time. Thank you to you and Pete and the rest of the staff. Thank you to Molly and, and Matt Munley for, for being on this and, and giving us all something to get excited about. Get to the mid-store or get online and buy this uh, Army-Navy game gear it is absolutely phenomenal. I know Ward has already bought probably the mid-store out, uh, but I, I'm finishing this interview and heading down to the mid-store myself. So, Morgie, thank you so much. And, uh, and until the next time, let's beat Army. Yes, sir. Thanks, John, Bill, and Chris. I appreciate your time. And go Navy, beat Army. That's right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Greg Morgan-Thaler. He is the Assistant AD for Equipment Operations. Um, I am going to take us to break. This is Sing Second Sports. This read is for our young Sing Second fans. Looking for a great way to celebrate your birthday? Have your party at a Navy sporting event with Bill's Birthday Party Package. Your special day can include a pre-game party featuring Chick-fil-A, Fisher's Popcorn, and Nothing Bunt Cakes as well as game tickets, a video board recognition, and more. To reserve your birthday party for a Navy sporting event, call 800-US-4-NAVY. That's 800-US-4-N-A-V-Y. And while we're talking about our younger fans, don't forget about the Kid Shipman Club. The Kid Shipman Club is the official kids club of Navy Athletics. And for just $20, your membership includes exclusive gifts, free tickets to Navy sporting events, a birthday card from Bill the Goat, and more. To register, visit NavySports.com. Now back to the pod. Hey, hey, we are back. Um, it is time for our basketball segment. And joining us for the recurring basketball breakdown segment is class of 98 sharpshooter Mike Heary. Uh, joining us also to break it down with him is Bill Wagner. So, Mike, you know, let's get right into it. We're, we're coming off of a great performance against Bill and Mary, uh, a 19-point victory there in Alumni Hall. Preceding that victory uh, were two victories, one over the Mount. Uh, 67 to 40, and then a blowout of Division Three Washington College, 89 to 40. 
you know, before we break down too many of the details and the stats, what are your impressions over the last three games, in particular last night, where a tough shooting night from three um, was turned around and and transitioned into a pretty effective victory by like kind of sticking to uh, the fundamentals? Yeah, John. I mean, the the team right now is playing so well defensively. Uh, Navy's ranked 14th in the country in points per game allowed at just under 56 points per game. And their defense is tremendous, uh, particularly, you know, the last three games that you just talked about. And I think the calling card of, of what Ed DeCellis likes to say about this program, which is, you know, defense, rebounding, and taking care of the basketball uh, is is paying dividends right now, and you couple that with a team that's scoring almost 70 points a game. I mean, this is a recipe for uh, a team to really have a tremendous season this year. And, and last night in particular, it was a bit of a choppy start offensively, particularly in the first 10 minutes of the game. But then once they settled in and started playing Navy basketball, it was uh, – it was a tremendous performance, particularly the second half defensively. William and Mary didn't have a bucket uh, in the first, I think it was about six or seven minutes of the second half. Yeah, so before I throw it over to Wags, how impressed have you been the last two games with John Carter? The last time we talked to you, you know, we, we threw it to you like, what does John Carter have to do? And, and you were basically like, <laughs> he, he, needs, he needs to find a shot. He needs, to go out, he needs to go out and do it. And he shot three for five from three-point range dropped in 18 points against the Mount. And then last night, a pretty effective game as well, going three for seven for three with 16 points, helped out by Greg Summers with 12. And then out of nowhere, a little bit, Jalen Walker with 15. What are your impressions of John Carter? And as they continue to do well without um, Austin Inge getting a lot of playing time and Patrick Dorsey playing at all, how impressed are you with John Carter and the rest of his backcourt mates? Yeah, you know, hopefully John Carter's listening to this podcast because when I talk about him, it propels him, obviously. Uh, but he he's played really well, um, John. I mean, you know, we talked about it in the last segment before the holiday, and it is uh, it's rung true. He's he's led this team the last four games. Um, you know, to take away the Washington College game, they played a lot of guys in that in that one, but in the last four. You know, he's had strong efforts, uh, shooting the ball well from three, as you alluded to, but he's also getting to the free throw line. He's shooting over 93% from the free throw line. And I think, again, I, I touched on this before, he's got to be careful not to fall in love with the jump shot too much. I think he has a chance to really, you know, drive the ball and hit the mid-range shot and, and get to the free throw line even more than he currently is. And if he can put, bring that into his game, I mean, he's got a chance to be a first-team All-Patriot League player this year. He's he's doing a great job. And, and last night, you know, this is what makes this team so strong is they've got a deep group, even without the guys you talked about. Uh, you know, Jalen Walker pops his head up and has a great game. And, and, and again, kind of like Tyler Nelson, Jalen Walker, you know, you you don't build them in the Patriot League like Tyler Nelson and Jalen Walker. They're they're difference makers when we get into the Patriot League. And last night it happened to be Jalen Walker showing what he can do with his game. 
Great analysis. 93% of the line. That sounds like John Schofield, Mike Heary, and Mark Price numbers from the line. <laughs> Wags, go ahead. Hey, John. Hey, um, I agree with what everything Mike is saying. I made defense the theme of my article because Navy's on a five-game winning streak, and it's all about defense. And last night, they held William & Mary scoreless for over eight minutes from about the 48-second mark of the first half until just under 13 of the second – I'm sorry, end of first half to under 13 of the second half. Not a single point. I mean, they could not score. And I talked to Coach DeCellis after the game about the factors of, that, is, that are making this a great defensive team. And I'll say that interesting statistic – that eight-minute drought by William & Mary was only the third longest drought by a Navy opponent this season. In the upset of Virginia in the season opener, Virginia went more than eight minutes without scoring. Uh, obviously, Washington College went like over 10 minutes without scoring. But, but the, I mean, look at the numbers. Look what they did to Radford. Look what they did to the Mount. Holding these teams to under 40 points and to like 24% field goal shooting. Uh, Furman is a team that's averaging close to 90 points a game, and Navy really shut them down. That's a team that beat Louisville. So the defense, I mean, Coach DeCellis has always preached defense. He's done that since the day he walked into Annapolis. But this team, and I asked him last night in the post, I said, Ed, is this your best defensive team? And before I could even finish the question, he said yes. And there's the factors are this veterans, Greg Summers, John Carter, Jr., uh, Richard and Joko seniors, Jalen Walker, Tyler Nelson, juniors. These guys have been in the system. They've heard coach Chellis preach defense over and over and they've bought in. And when the younger players see those older guys playing their butts off on the defensive end, it rubs off. And second factor all the players I just mentioned, long, athletic, move their feet. Uh, when you got a group of guys like that that are all long, athletic, and fast, speedy, quick, it, 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 that's why you're playing good defense. So, I mean, Richard Njoko is a returning Patriot League all-defensive player, and he hasn't even been the best defender on this team. I would say that you know Carter has really set the tone because he's a guy that, you know, some would view as being an offensive guy most of his career, and he has laid it down that he's going to play some serious defense this season. Summers is a great defender. Tyler Nelson and Jalen Walker are playing great defense. I mean, it's just contagious, and this team can beat anybody with the way they play defense, and it's just very, very impressive to me, John. So, Mike, you know, from, from here – um, you know, we, we don't want to get too drunk on the Kool-Aid, um, you know, with what's been happening. Obviously, Washington College, we were able to play all of our players. But the last two games against a Mount team that had a pretty tough out-of-conference schedule, they played Villanova first game of the season. Now we're about to play George Mason next week during Army Week, a George Mason team that went into Xfinity Center and beat what is now looking like a very bad Maryland team, but still – you know, where, where do you see this projecting, provided that Austin Inge can come back and be a part of the of the rotation in his Vinnie Johnson microwave style? 
Um, and then going forward, planning for the beginning of the Patriot League season starting January 1st up in Worcester versus Holy Cross. John, they have three, you know, non-league games left this month, and, and, and it's a light month in terms of games because of final exams, and Navy kind of front-loaded the schedule because of that, and, and I think I've done a really good job of spreading out the games and obviously playing tougher competition. They're going to get a little rest here between the William & Mary game last night and then now, you know, James or George Mason, excuse me, next week. Tremendous opportunity. George Mason, as you said, beat Maryland at Maryland, regardless of how Maryland's been doing since then. Um, it's, it's still a power five school and a, and, a, and, a, and a quality win. Navy almost beat George Mason the last time they played Mason uh, there in Fairfax uh, a couple years ago. Could have won the game, probably should have won the game. So, I mean, they have everything they, they need to go in there and get that one. Then you play Marist on the road and then home against Towson before the Patriot League starts in the new year. It, it, again, nothing's changed for me as far as how I see this team in the future. They have all the pieces. And to Wags's point, Navy's defense is tremendous. And, and they've had moments where they've defended similar to this in Ed DeChelis' era. The thing that makes this impressive is Navy's not winning, you know, 58-55 or, you know, 50 to 45 and playing great defense and not scoring. They're scoring at almost 70 points a game. When we played with uh, under Don DeVoe, and, and, and it's eerily similar how the this season is kind of going relative to the last few years when we went to the tournament in, at Navy. And I'm not saying, you know, whatever. Karma could be good. We used to say if we could score 70 points, that was the magic number. And Coach Tichella, similarly, 70 points. Well, look, you hold teams in the 50s. You don't even have to do that. But if Navy's able to you know, score 65 to 70 points a game, they're gonna be, it, teams are going to be hard-pressed to be able to get to 65 points against Navy. I mean, they're having a hard enough time getting to 60. So I like the balance of not only tremendous defense, but they're scoring at a good rate. They're shooting almost 47% from the field as a team. 47, 48% from the field as a team. When you're holding your opponents to 56 points a game, you're going to win a lot of basketball games, particularly in the Patriot League. Wags, before I send it over to you to take us out, I, I just, on top of everything else uh, Mike was saying, 42 points in the paint, 17 second half or second chance points, and then 28 points off of the bench. I mean, the depth we've already talked about, but this team goes basically 10 deep. I mean, 10 guys got almost 10 minutes uh, with the starters. You know, Carter and Summers both had 30 plus minutes, but then everyone else is in the 20s and teens. That is like the anti Villanova Jay Wright uh, approach where Jay only goes like seven deep in the rotation and really leans on the starters. I, I believe that this depth will help them down the road, particularly in the Patriot League, Wags. It's interesting you mentioned that because that's another topic that Coach DeCellis brought up, depth. And one of the elements of – he said he's not sure he's ever had a team this deep. And he used 10 players last night as far as rotation. He actually got two guys in at the very end just to give him some playing time. But in terms of rotation, nine guys played double-digit minutes and Nate Allison – uh, was the 10th. He got about seven and a half minutes and was pretty productive in that seven and a half minutes. But because he's so deep, if you're not playing good defense, you're coming out. 
He was not pleased with Daniel Deaver, the junior forward, his effort on the defensive end early. He came out of the game and he inserted Richard Njoku, which how about that? Here's Richard Njoku, who was a Patriot League all-defensive player, was one of the stars of last season's outstanding team that was so successful, and he's coming off the bench because he was injured in preseason, took him some time to work back, and he's not able to crack the starting lineup. Now, I eventually expect come Patriot League time he will be starting again, but that shows the depth, and when you have that kind of depth, you can, if a guy's not playing well, you pull him out and put someone else in. And it's going to improve, as you mentioned. Austin Inge has a toe injury. Uh, he played in a game last week, and uh, just coach doesn't feel he's looking like he's going full bore in practice. He's still a little bit ginger tentative. So until he can go full speed and be really let it loose, he's not going to play. Um, and then Patrick Dorsey has yet to play in a game. Uh, coach DeCellis told me last night that he hopes that he can be begin practicing next week Coach D would like to have him available come Patriot League play. But, yeah, you add Patrick Dorsey and Austin Inge, and now you're talking about a 10-man rotation. I mean, a 12-man rotation. I'm not sure how they're going to get everybody playing time, but, you know, every guy I mentioned, the 10 that played last night are playing well enough to deserve to stay in the rotation. So uh, he's, it's a luxury that Coach D has as to how, how he wants to use all these people. Well, Mike, I, I don't know if we're going to talk to you before uh, Army-Navy. So, so transition before we go out. Put on your football hat. Number one, are we going to see you up in MetLife for the, for the Army-Navy football game? And number two, what's your prediction uh, based on the progression of the team, how they did against a very bad Temple team? What do you think is going to happen next Saturday at MetLife? Wow. Well, um, I, I'm not making it up there to MetLife to be there in person. Uh, I'm sure I'll be having some uh, adult beverages and, and near a fire watching on TV uh, at some location to be determined. Um, number one, Navy once again won the uniform battle for the 15th year in a row, whatever it's been. And that is awesome. Um, translating onto the field, I hope that there's enough uh, Jeff Munkin to Duke football um, chatter that that can somehow, you know, detract from some of the focus of Army and the team. And I think there's a possibility of that. I don't know anything, but uh, he's certainly uh, a strong candidate for that job. And I think Duke would be smart to, to hire him as their next football coach. Um, it's going to be a challenge. Just the youth of our team is still an issue, right? And, and as much as they've gotten better, and I think the future is very bright for the football program, I think it's going to be a challenge. Um, I would say that 20 to 13, maybe 20 to 17, um, you know, a situation where Navy scores late to, to, to make it a one possession game, tries the onside kick, doesn't get it. And the army wins 20 to 17. That's, that's kind of like what my head's telling me. Um, but you know, you never know two weeks of preparation, a few wrinkles. We seem to be throwing the football a little bit better. I know temple wasn't as competitive, but even against ECU, we, we threw it a little bit. It would be nice to mix in a little more of that passing game, uh, against army, which is always like air force. They've always played us well defensively because we know each other so well, but that's kind of where I would lean here in a, on a December 2nd prediction. 
I love it. Well, uh, Mike, as always, we appreciate it. Hopefully you're right. It sounds like you're leaning toward an under. We'll, uh, we'll QA that with Chris Ravello, Jimmy the Greek. Um, and I'm sure we'll be uh, talking a lot more about that. So thank you for uh, joining the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Your analysis is spot on as usual. And uh, go Navy, beat Army. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, as always. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Mike Carey with the Basketball Breakdown Session. We are going to go to break, and when we come back, we will take this baby out. This is Sing Second Sports. Thanks again for listening to Sing Second Sports. A special thank you to our sponsors, Academy Consulting, Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar, The Graduate Hotel, and Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. What a great podcast. Uh, yeah, great, great analysis by Mike Heary. Awesome to hear from Greg Morgenthaler about how uh, the uniforms and the helmets are made. Before we go out, we would love to introduce you to Wes Lyon of Allegiance Flag Supply. Uh, when Max Berry, Wes, and Katie Lyon purchased their first homes, they searched for a high-quality American flag to fly, realized that that was hard to find, and a lot of them weren't made in the U.S., so poof, what happened? Allegiance Flag Supply. We are so happy to be joined by Wes Lyon, one of the founders of Allegiance. Uh, Allegiance has been a sponsor of Billy Hurley's for the Brave Tournament and is a great supporter of the pod. Number one, Wes, thank you so much for joining us here as we you know, get closer to uh, Army-Navy game. And number two, tell our listeners a little bit more about Allegiance and how it came to be. Yeah, John. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, big fans of the pod and what you and uh, and Chris are doing, and obviously love that that Army Navy tradition. Um, what a cool thing to be a part of! Just a very small small part, and I've actually never been to the game, but would love to make it there someday. I've heard great things about it. Um, but yeah, we started Allegiance Flag Supply probably uh, four and a half to five years ago uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. As a lot of the flags that we were flying were ripping, tearing, fading, getting wrapped around our flagpole, just really super easily. And, you know, after a couple months in flight, we'd look up at our flag and say, you know, this thing is, is, is already deteriorated. So we said, is anybody making really high quality American flags with better craftsmanship, better material? Um, most importantly, doing that right here in America, supporting American jobs um, and helping just kind of the, the growth and the backbone of this economy, which we believe really is small business. Um, and so didn't really see a company that was doing it quite like that. And just as special as the American flag is to us and as special as it is to our country, wanted to create a, a company and a brand and really just kind of a movement that would support that. Um, and, and here we are today, um, you know, four years or so later, and it really is kind of the traditional um, American entrepreneur story where we were in our garage doing this, you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago. And now I'm looking out at our warehouse right now and we're proud to say we've got over 15 employees. Um, we've got both a fulfillment um, and also a, a manufacturing side of our warehouse. And so it's just been a, a really fun ride and something that we've been grateful to be a, a part of. And who knows where it's going to go from here. Hey, John, before you talk about um, the giveaway uh, ne next week, I, I want to share my own uh, Allegiance flag story. Um, so first of all, uh, sort of the good side and the bad side. The, the great side is bought, bought an Allegiance flag when we bought our house here in uh, Palm Coast uh, almost a year ago. Fly it proudly uh, over our uh, little back uh, Lanai area near, near the pool. 
but Wes, you guys kind of ruined because of the high quality of the flag. You ruined my favorite Johnny Cash song. I can no longer sing my, you know, ragged old flag song because right. your flags aren't ragged, right? So I mean, he's gonna somebody's gonna have to come up with a different uh, song that invokes the same uh, emotion because of how how great they are and uh, you know how how cool it is to have such a high quality uh, piece of America flying in your backyard. I appreciate that, Chris. Yeah, we love old Johnny and we love that tune. We know it well. And uh, I would say you can still play it, but then you can look up at your lanai and see that beautiful flag flying too. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having the best of both worlds. Tell you what, as we were getting ready uh, to record, I went on and purchased my own flag set and even threw in the trucker hat, uh, which was a a must do. I can't be left out of this whole thing. So, yeah, before we let you go, Wes, number one, you're in Charleston, right? That's correct. Charleston, South Carolina. Yep. All right. Well, I'm going to be in Charleston next week. Uh, I can't wait to, to find you. And uh, maybe I'll just skip the shipping and pick it up from you direct. But uh, can't wait to- we'd love to have you at the warehouse. Come on by. I We definitely will, for sure. So Chris and I aren't the only ones who are going to enjoy these flags. If you are loyal listeners... Uh, DM us either on Twitter or on Instagram. And if you don't already know, then you don't know at wink. We sing second uh, DM us your favorite army Navy memory. It could be the result of the game, a particular play, just a memory with family or the fact that you almost lost your toes to frostbite, which is probably what a lot of stories include. But if you send us, your favorite memory, a little vignette that we can pick from. We are going to pick five uh, lucky winners to get an Allegiance flag set. Uh, so please do that. And by the end of Army-Navy week, we will announce the five winners and we will ship those out to you. And you will be uh, one of the Allegiance flag owners. So Wes, as we go out, one last thing. What's special about your company and why should people tell their friends and family about Allegiance Flag Supply? Yeah, I love that, John. Thank you. I mean, it's obviously, um, certainly the product is is huge. I mean, we put a lot into R&D and we put a lot into kind of the overall customer experience. Um, That's first and foremost huge. But what is even larger than that is kind of the idea around Allegiance and what we're doing. And we're really trying to create a community and be bigger than just our products. Um, it goes all the way through to the employees that we've been able to hire. Again, the American jobs that we're literally creating out of thin air, which we absolutely love. And then one thing that's been really fun is we've grown and gotten bigger and been able to, to support um, different non- nonprofit partners that we've been partnering with. Um, for 9-11 um, Memorial uh, 20th anniversary of that, we raised over $8,000 for Folds of Honor. We did $10,000 to boot campaign on Veterans Day. Um, We just did uh, over 5K to um, stop soldier suicide for Black Friday for Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday. We just did a huge buy one, um, give one. So every time somebody would buy a three by five or a flag set, we would give um, a flag to a a military family to have under the, the Christmas tree, which is huge. We do that through boot campaign. we we're able to give over 500 flags doing that over a two-day period. So it's just things like that that um, really we're 
we were kind of spearheading and feeling like, um, you know, we're the, we're the ones in the flag industry that are able to do that. And we want to do that. And we want to, again, grow that community and grow that, you know, sense of belonging around what we're doing. So we're doing it around, you know, the most important symbol of our country and uh, something that, that really means a lot to a lot of people. So when we have customers that support us, we try to give that back too. Well, Wes, thank you for what you do. Um, check your uh, check your order, people. I just I just finalized my payment. Uh, wow. Can't wait to see this thing at my house here in Arnold, Maryland. Uh, nothing can compare to the compound, the Scarface car compound that Chris Cervello enjoys down there in Palm Coast. But at least I'll be repping the brand. I love it. We can't all be Floridians, but you know we'll let Chris enjoy that sunshine. All right. Hey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, West Lion of Allegiance Flags, uh, thank you so much for supporting veterans and supporting our podcast. We are going to take this out for West, for Chris, Ward, and Bill Wagner. I am John Schofield. Thank you for listening to Sing Second Sports. Go to Allegiance Flags Fly, order your flag kit, or send us a DM of your favorite memory of Army-Navy, and you will be the lucky recipient of one of these kits. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.